This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Your radio doctor does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, physicians, products, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on your radio doctor. Always consult your own physician. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. A radio.com station. Live from the Malamut and Associates Law Studios, it's time for the Delaware Valley's first radio doctor. On call every Sunday morning at 10. This is your radio doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie. I'm not declaring a public health emergency of international concern today. As it was yesterday, the emergency committee was divided over whether the outbreak of novel coronavirus represents a fake or not. Your health determines your life, your longevity, and your happiness. Let your radio doctor lead the way with your medical education. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. And on a Sunday morning, we say good morning to everybody tuning in here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Your radio doctor comes to the radio dial uh, and brings you all kind of incredible information. And Dr. Marianne, as I bring you into the microphone and welcome you on this Sunday morning, uh, I must confess, as a listener, uh, I have learned a lot. In our first three weeks here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. Well, thank you for that welcome, Joe. And welcome back to our listeners. Another beautiful Sunday morning on your radio doctor. And I'm very honored to be your host. My name is Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Each week we discuss a common medical disorder and then act as your voice, asking questions about causes, prevention, treatment, questions you can then take to your doctor. We've learned so much in these first few weeks on air during February, American Heart Month. We're more familiar with the signs of heart attack and what to do in those important first minutes. We know that cardiac stents can open a blockage and deliver medication to keep it open. And if it starts to scar again, we can use brachytherapy, the tiniest amount of radiation to open it again and maybe avoid surgery. And the newest tool being studied is a drug-delivering balloon. If you need a new heart valve, sometimes the valve can be replaced using a catheter through an artery in your arm or leg without opening your chest and without opening your heart. And a failing heart can be supported with a simple mechanical device called LVAD, left ventricular assist device. Keeps your heart pumping while you wait for a heart transplant and may be in place of a heart transplant. Miraculous. And remember, if you do need surgery, stop smoking at least four days prior to surgery causes increased congestion, which leads to coughing, bumps the risk for pneumonia, and can slow healing. Today, I'm very happy to welcome two special guests. Both are stellar cardiologists at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital. With us in studio today is Dr. Reginald Ho. Dr. Ho is a professor who focuses on a very important area called EPS, electrophysiologic studies. That's a method of identifying and treating irregular heart rhythms especially those which are life-threatening. Later, we'll be joined by Dr. David Chapon, an assistant professor and director of preventive cardiology, cardiovascular rehabilitation, and sports cardiology. In short, Dr. Chapon provides rehab after a heart attack or surgery, advises people at risk to prevent a heart attack or surgery, and then evaluates athletes to look for warning signs that put them at risk for sudden death. And lastly, stay tuned to hear about the joint program Doctors Ho and Chapon have created to screen athletes for risks before the season starts 
and provide coaches with a plan of action if an athlete passes out. Really good stuff, Dr. Marianne, and a great lineup of information we have on deck for uh, everybody tuning in on this Sunday morning for your mm-hmm. radio doctor as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Don't forget you can communicate directly to Dr. Marianne by dropping her an email at doctor at yourradiodoctor.com. We'll get to our first commercial break here on a Sunday morning uh, and meet our in-studio guest when we come back. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie. If you have a question for the medical mailbag, just send a note to doctor at yourradiodoctor.com. Join the Blue Lights Campaign during March, Colon Cancer Awareness Month. Each year in March, the Blue Lights Campaign lights the Philadelphia skyline in blue for colon cancer awareness. Colon cancer is the second leading cause of cancer deaths in men and women in the U.S., but it's treatable and beatable. Early detection saves lives. Get screened. Show your support for friends affected by colon cancer. Light up your home or office in blue. Learn how you can help spread the word. Screening saves lives. Visit bluelightscampaign.com. And back here on your radio doctor here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Let me get right to Dr. Marianne after that music intro. Well done. Doc, it's all yours. Welcome back. I hope that gets you charged up because you're going to hear a beautiful story about our guest, Dr. Reginald Ho. I'm your host, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Dr. Ho, professor and cardiologist at Jefferson. Listeners, I'm going to share a story that explains so much about Dr. Reggie Ho. It's 1988. University of Notre Dame ranked number 13 faces rival University of Michigan. The Wolverines are number seven. First game of the football season with less than five minutes to play. The score is Michigan 17, Notre Dame 16. The clock down to a minute. Fans are on their feet. Instead of a Hail Mary pass, they're collectively saying the Hail Mary. Up comes walk-on place kicker, standing five feet five inches tall, Reggie Ho. He had already won the hearts of the capacity crowd with a pair of field goals in the first half. Now. Reggie has to shut down the thunderous cheering and bring his high school soccer and football skills to make it happen. Armed with focus, precision, and courage, he scores. Notre Dame wins the opening game of their undefeated season and become the national champions of 1988. And that game would forever be known as the Reggie Ho game. My friends, this is a man of focus, precision, and courage. And he scores big points every time he finds a dangerous heart rhythm and kicks it right out of the stadium. Now, that's what I call a conversion. Dr. Howe? Thank you. Thank you very much for that very kind uh, introduction. Well, palpitations, that's a common symptom that brings patients to their primary care doc or their cardiologist. So maybe you can take us through the process that follows that initial complaint. Sure. So uh, when people complain of racing of the heart uh, or skip beats, uh, they often come uh, for evaluation, and uh, some of the first things that we do is we get a uh, good history and exam, and of course uh, get an EKG to see whether or not there's any abnormalities on the electrocardiogram. Uh, and after initial evaluation, uh, we uh, look for structural heart disease. Uh, so we'll look uh, and often order an echocardiogram, uh, see if there's any uh, problems, of valvular problems or uh, pump function problems, uh, and often if we can't identify the problem right away because the uh, abnormality is not on the EKG, we'll, we'll get a, a monitor, a, a cardiac monitor, to uh, correlate their symptoms with their underlying rhythm. 
And so sometimes an arrhythmia or an abnormal heart rhythm is benign, friendly, but sometimes it's life-threatening. What might a patient describe when they say, I'm feeling fluttering, or what's a common presentation in their their own words? Sure. Some of the uh, common uh, presentations would be uh, feeling very rapid uh, racing of the heart, for example. Uh, if uh, they get lightheaded or they pass out, that's you know obviously very, very concerning. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it could just be a skip beat. And there are different reasons for having palpitations. It could just be an extra beat. To something as you know malignant as a you know very fast uh, you know lethal heart rhythm, mm-hmm. and so we have to sort out which one they have and and appropriately you know remedy the situation. And some of the causes might include, as you mentioned, heart disease itself. Any other typical sure. causes people should be yep. aware of? So mm-hmm. so people can have a heart rhythm disorders uh, without any having any heart disease, or they could have heart disease like a prior heart attack or having heart failure, for example. Um, often young people who have Rapid palpitations are uh, sometimes uh, diagnosed uh, uh, erroneously as having a you know, panic disorder when they sure. have a true organic uh, fast heart rhythm. And so they ha- often have a fast heart rhythm in the uh, upper chamber of the heart. Mm-hmm. And the older people who have, say, had a heart attack or have had bypass surgery, uh, if they have uh, passing out episodes, we get concerned about fast heart rhythms coming from the uh, lower chamber of the heart that could be very, very dangerous and uh, need to be uh, treated. And then sometimes a person might have a hyperactive thyroid that that's their motor and it makes their heart uh, beat more rapidly. Not always necessarily a problem, but they they feel it and it makes them feel anxious even though they didn't start start out that way. And how about certain medications, side effects? Absolutely, yes. So there are secondary causes. So as opposed to having a primary heart rhythm problem, uh, people can have secondary causes for uh, you know fast heart rhythms or fast heartbeats. So as, as you had mentioned, hyperthyroidism, if the, there's too much thyroid in the body, the heart rate can raise. Um, if they are febrile, you know, the heart rate can be kind of, you know, fast just because of a, a secondary cause for their... Good point. Their, uh, Good point. Their, I didn't uh, think of that. Sure. Heart rhythm, yeah. And then things we can control, like our daily activities, too much caffeine, nicotine, beans, nicotine, caffeine, xanthine, mm-hmm. which is a chemical in chocolate, but you have to probably eat a lot of that, and cocaine. You know, people think about the dangers of uh, illicit drugs, but that's a big one with cocaine that Ab- can set your heart. Absolutely, yes. And uh, you know, these, uh, these, uh, you know, these uh, drugs you know, can be very harmful. Uh, the, the deleterious effects of these drugs, uh, not only in causing arrhythmias, but uh, I'm sure as Dr. Savage had mentioned in prior segments, you know, heart disease, coronary artery disease, and uh, they can uh, lead to you know, very bad heart rhythms that people could die from and very preventable way of, uh, you know, of uh, you know, very preventable cause of a sudden death. Sure. And aside from a common cause such as a fever, anemia or a low blood count, if your tank isn't full, your heart has to beat more quickly to use the blood that it has to pump it around and, and do its work. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So when your uh, hemoglobin is low and you need a certain amount of uh, of, of work to the heart has to put out, then it's going to consume more oxygen. It's going to have you, uh, you know, heartbeat's going to be faster and uh, that would you know require more um, more oxygen consumption, and so it could beat faster just for those secondary mm-hmm. secondary causes. Doc, let me ask you this one question, just so I can follow along. Does a rapid heart rate? What does that cause? Does that affect your blood flow, or what does that actually? What does it do? If my heart's pumping fast, what's it doing to my body inside? Yes. So 
So if it's um, uh, beating really fast, it is consuming a lot more oxygen, uh, and it can sometimes you know lower the blood pressure. If it lowers the blood pressure too much, then people are not going to have enough blood flow to the brain, and that's what causes symptoms of lightheadedness. That's what causes symptoms of uh, you know passing out, for example. So uh, if someone passes out because of a fast heartbeat, it makes us very concerned because their blood pressure is not high enough to you know be supported by the, the fast heart rate. Yeah. So if you're going to study somebody. An EKG, we're all familiar with that's just a, a brief exam, looking at your heartbeat, that may not capture the rhythm if it's not happening at that precise moment. So we also have to consider the duration. When, the, when that happens, uh, the patient, you, you're going to ask them, does it last for seconds? Does it last for minutes? Or could it last for hours? Exactly. And so uh, we have different type of recording devices that we can use other than an EKG to try to correlate their symptoms with their underlying rhythm. It's like a, it's like a camera. So an EKG would be a snapshot camera, but we have uh, cardiac event monitors that people can take home and wear. So it's kind of like a, more of a, you know, a surveillance camera. And uh, in situations where the rhythms are very sporadic, they come every once, every you know, several months or so, then we can put in what we call an implantable uh, loop monitor. So it goes underneath the skin. It's not a, a wearable monitor, and it stays in for three years. And if a patient has a symptom in that time, we'll be able to, to diagnose it uh, by, the, by the loop monitor, an implantable loop monitor. That's interesting because we're used to thinking about the typical halter monitor that a patient might wear for 24 hours. And if you don't capture the problem um, and the loop, um, the continuous loop monitor, it better correlates probably the symptoms with the abnormal rhythm. And if they keep a diary of sorts, if the, if the person feels it, or if I guess you get information uh, uh, on a mm-hmm. yep. So we can uh, get information, so the patient can activate their device, and they can then timestamp their symptom with what's on the monitor at that time. And then they have a monitor at their bedside that is the interface between me and the patient, the patient and I. And so the patient could press a button. That information gets downloaded to the monitor, and the monitor sends that information to our website, where we can then retrieve that information and find out what's on the uh, mm-hmm. on the monitor. I was trying to say the word remotely, that it signals you or it signals a, a data collecting device that says at 11.17 p.m. on February 15th, I had this sensation and it made me feel dizzy. Exactly. Beautiful. How about do you do any other types of tests that try to capture the rhythm? Yeah, so sometimes we're not able to identify the rhythm based on event monitors. So, uh in some cases, we'll take patients uh, to do an electrical study. Uh, we can do an electrophysiologic study. Um, it's similar to a heart catheterization where we go through the growings uh, and we uh, uh, have to access the blood vessels of the growing and we take wires up to the heart and we stimulate the heart from different areas to try to provoke the rhythm, to try to trigger the rhythm. And then we are able to do different maneuvers to you know, to, to establish the diagnosis of what it is. Right. So if we divide the heart into longitude and latitude, you can trigger or let's say you touch certain parts of the heart and see if that brings on atrial fibrillation or ventricular tachycardia. We'll talk about those a little bit later, but specifically what the abnormal rhythm is. And then you say, gee, if we're at 40 degrees latitude and 60 degrees longitude, that might be an area that you might consider ablation or exactly so uh, with our electrical study we actually like you just said we have uh, GPS mapping systems uh, there are different uh, mapping systems that allow us to identify where a catheter is in the heart 
And when we do an ablation, which is a, a cautery uh, to uh, destroy the, the tissue responsible for the fast heart rhythm, we can pinpoint it with, uh, you know, like a GPS system uh, in the heart and go to the exact area where the uh, fast heart rhythm comes from to get rid of it. And that's what we call an ablation. So it's a, a design to cure them of the fast heart rhythm so that they don't need to take medications or suffer from palpitations anymore. So it's like map and zap. Yep, map and zap, absolutely. <laughs> now, if a person has a slow heartbeat, you're going to treat that differently than if they have a fast heartbeat. Absolutely. So the slow heartbeat, uh, we treat with pacemakers, um, uh, pacing devices, and there are different types of models of pacemakers and different types of pacemakers. Uh, so pacemakers are there to treat slow heart rhythms. Um, in contrast, uh, there are defibrillators, which treat fast and slow heart rhythms. Uh, most defibrillators have a pacemaker in it, so it treats uh, patients who are at risk for dying from very bad uh, fast heart rhythms. So mm-hmm. it, it shocks them back into good rhythm. And just so the audience knows, sometimes your heart is beating quickly because of the triggers we said, too much caffeine or you're watching a scary movie, and that's benign. What we concern ourselves with, and as Dr. Ho mentioned, there are different chambers, upper and lower chambers. If the upper chamber is going too quickly, you're not going to get a good lub-dub that pushes your your blood out. You'll get, <clears throat> and then the pumping isn't effective, so it sends out little bits of blood. And an example might be atrial fibrillation. That's correct. So, so uh, the different, as you mentioned, different uh, heart rhythms in different chambers uh, ha- are, you know, have different prognoses. So the, one of the most common fast heart rhythms in the upper chamber is atrial fibrillation, uh, which in itself is not life-threatening per se, but is a, you know, a common cause for stroke and, and debilitating symptoms. Uh, on the converse, the fast heart rhythms that come from the lower chamber of the heart, ventricular tachycardia, or ventricular fibrillation, those are very lethal, and those are where uh, you know, defibrillators are important. And so tachycardia, tachy means fast heart, fast heartbeat, and that can get away with us, away from us and go so fast that the heart just stops. That's correct. But I like to bring up the point, I always tell my medical students, that if your heart is fibrillating, and it's not a nice, even lub-dub, lub-dub, but half of the heart is fibrillating or shaking, not blood, uh, sending the blood out effectively, it can puddle, and it can go fast and slow. And if your blood puddles, then that sets you up for clots that then cause... Strokes, exactly. Strokes, and, and, uh, and uh, when it comes from the lower chamber, cardiac arrest. And so people collapse you know, outside, and they require CPR. And, uh, and yeah, that's where the uh, defibrillators would come in to, to treat that. And what's really helpful about the newer defibrillators is that you put the paddles on the person and you're instructed. Yes. Because for lay people who don't know and they think, gosh, I have to do something. I don't want to look back and think I stood there and, and, and froze. Exactly. So the automatic external defibrillators have voice prompts that help bystanders who are doing CPR to, uh, to use the uh, defibrillator correctly and uh, resuscitate uh, in an individual. Beautiful, because sometimes we're not supposed to shock the rhythm. Dr. Reggie Ho is our special guest here on a Sunday morning. This is your radio doctor as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT as we roll into the show and take you up to the top of the hour at 11 o'clock. The Sounds of Sinatra uh, coming up at 11 a.m. on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Today's edition of Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie can be enjoyed on Radio.com as well. And you can listen to the show at your convenience. Just go to Radio.com and in the search bar type in Your Radio Doctor. It's health education on demand.
Health Watch with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, heard weekly on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, is sponsored by Jefferson Health, home of the Sydney Kimmel Medical College and the Sydney Kimmel Cancer Center. With over 25 years of experience in the field of gastroenterology, Dr. Marianne Ritchie is an associate professor at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital, a noted teacher, author, and speaker in women's health care, as well as cancer prevention. Health Watch with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, proudly sponsored by Jefferson Health. And welcome back, everyone, on a Sunday morning. This is your radio doctor with Dr. Marianne, who is all over social media. You'll find her on Twitter, you'll find her on Facebook, and you'll find her on Instagram at your radio doctor. Doc? Thank you, and thank you to our listeners. I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. And now we welcome by phone Dr. David Chapon. Uh, we talked about Dr. David Chapon as all about rehab before and after events. And as with every topic, we want to share tips for prevention before a disease takes over and in the case that prevention would help preventing a second episode. Dr. David Chapon has worked in a three-prong approach. He provides cardiac rehabilitation after a heart attack or surgery, either bypass or valve surgery. He also has a prehab program that assesses people at low, medium, high risk to prevent their first MI or heart attack or surgery. And then finally, he's very involved with sports cardiology for the Sixers, the Phillies. We hope soon with the Eagles, they could use our advice. And along with college teams, including my St. Joe Hawks, and a special program for screening young athletes in the community that he does with Dr. Ho. And evaluating athletes for warning signs that increase their risk for sudden death. So welcome, David. <laughs> my tongue's caught in my eye tooth. I can't see what I'm saying. Dr. Dave Chapon, let's start by describing the team effort that you offer with cardiac rehab after a heart attack or surgery. Yes, um, thank you so much for having me uh, on the show. And, you know, so, so cardiac rehab is a multidisciplinary approach to uh, risk reduction uh, after the event occurs, such as a heart attack uh, or having a, a heart surgery. And multiple um, people are involved in the program from the nursing staff to nutritionists, doctors, exercise specialists, and smoking cessation. Uh, the goal really is to, you know, to reduce risk by mindset, uh, healthy, imp- you know, improving the mindset of the patient, um, nutritional prudence, and, and really a monitored um, exercise program. And I think that's the key word, Dave. I'm not the cardiologist, but monitor. I'm sure people, after they have a heart attack or they have heart surgery, they're nervous. They're afraid to get back out exercising. And if you monitor and see what they can tolerate and build on that as they get stronger, they're going to leave with a better attitude. And they're, I'm sure, too, they're more likely to adhere to medications because your team explains meds and the side effects and, and what they're good for. Correct. And, and you know, what, what I find is that after the heart attack or after an event, most people are, are afraid to go out there and just exercise. Sure. You know, they're, they're worried, you know, is there going to be an event or, or, or how, how uh, much should I be exercising? And so having the monitor there uh, and, and watching that as one's exercising is, is very important uh, during uh, the cardiac rehab. And, you know, and, and it's and, and the other thing is, is really the understanding of what a heart attack is and the pathophysiology of that. So we, we go through that and, and really go through the educational process of what you had 
and, and what you can do to reduce your risk of ever having it again. Sure. And in the old days, people would go into the hospital with a heart attack or gallbladder surgery. Now we get people up and moving and the stays are shorter. So we have to remember if a person does have a heart attack or surgery that we enroll them immediately while they're in the hospital. We say, here's the patient who's going to be leaving soon and we get them started in the hospital because you're going to tell us about early enrollment and how that helps. Yeah, yeah. So the earlier the enrollment, the better. Uh, the earlier the awareness of this type of a program, the better. So in the hospital would be ideal. And also the awareness of the person going into the hospital that this actually is, is offered. And so once, once uh, if, it, if it doesn't, if we aren't enrolling in the hospital and the person may, you know, enter into, a, you know, their doctor's or cardiologist's office afterwards, they can even ask or even seek out, you know, that there is, there are cardiac rehabs in the, in the region, uh, you know, that, that you can call a part of Jefferson Health. Yes. So really the goals of your program are transformative. They have a whole team of cheerleaders helping them explain diet uh, tips and their medications and cheering them on to stop smoking. I'm sure smoking is probably uh, right up there as the number one cause for recurrent heart disease. Oh, absolutely. Smoking would be, you know, the, the number one uh, etiology for uh, increasing a risk for, for having an event. Um, along with, you know, the other risk factors such as diabetes, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, family history of heart disease, obesity, uh, and, and even stress. And, and so the program focuses on healthy mindset, healthy diet, and, and the appropriate exercise program along with, again, medication awareness and compliance uh, and smoking cessation. And it seems so obvious, but if your team can help a person stay on schedule with their meds, their exercise and diet, help them quit smoking, you're going to help them to prevent another MI. And studies show that the long-term outcomes are much better when a person starts before they leave the hospital. They stay on cue. And also, I guess there's an emotional component. I know I'd be terrified if I have a heart attack. And I, I, I read that up to 20% of the patients have depression or anxiety or even denial, which can lead to problems with family and marriage and work. And then you're offering that support that keeps them on track. Uh, absolutely. A healthy mindset is, is absolutely the key. And uh, going through the, uh, you know, the, the, the stages of, uh, you know, the, the mindset and how that relates to healthy mindset relates to the p potential future events. And so if we can encourage that and teach coping mechanisms along with the appropriate, again, nutrition, um, exercise program, uh, and then compliance with medications, that, that's the key. And what we know is the, the more sessions that someone goes through in cardiac rehab, the healthier they are, the, 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 the reduced events they would have, and sure. even uh, uh, the longer the survival. Yeah, live longer. So let's jump to your prehab program. We'll spend a little time on that, and then I want to spend the, the majority of time on sports cardiology. So with prehab, tell us about that, Dave. Yeah, so, so prehab uh, is, is risk assessing someone before the heart attack or uh, the stroke may occur. Uh, prehab, uh, prehab is, um, uh, is, that, is, you know, a person comes into the, uh, to the office or, you know, wherever we're, we're seeing our patients. And, you know, what we want to do is we want to risk assess that person uh, via history, uh, appropriate lab work, and or uh, appropriate targeted imaging and get your exact risk of, of, 
what is that risk of having a heart attack or an event going forward? And so we would stratify someone into the low to the moderate and high risk for that, and then help to design a lifestyle modification program that would reduce your risk of ever having a heart attack or stroke going forward, incorporating the same principles of mindset, diet, exercise, whatever supplements or medications we may need to give. It sounds like a gift certificate we should give to people. Go see Dr. Chapon (laughs) and get head to toe. Because I think people forget how important, say, family history. If you have members, and they don't necessarily have to be your mom or dad or even a brother or sister, but if there's a pattern in your family of relatives getting heart attacks or needing heart surgery below the age of 60, that's certainly a red flag, along with your own possible diabetes, hypertension. Am I right about that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, you can have people that are at at assuming low risk by risk factors, but they have a very strong family history of heart disease. That's an absolute trigger for someone who may be at, at, you know, imminent risk for for an event. Uh, You know, so so absolutely that that, that is the key. Now let's hear about sports cardiology, Dave, because that's so important, especially for people who decide, okay, New Year's resolution, I'm going to start exercising. We don't want people to keel over weekend warrior style. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, what we do know is that exercise is is the key, you know, to health and wellness. You need not only just exercise, though, you need a healthy mindset, again, uh, diet and exercise. And the more steps you take in a day, the, the better off you're going to be. Uh, but, uh, you know, when you exercise or before you're going to go into a program, it's absolutely essential to know your risk of sudden cardiac arrest uh, going into that. And so, so really, you know, understanding, you know, what are the warning signs uh, for um, a potential event uh, during a uh, Sport. And, and, and such warning signs would be, you know, one would be shortness of breath or having chest tightness, uh, a racing heart, feeling faint or fainting. You know, if someone has that, those could be warning signs for potential lethal um, episode on the playing field. But, but I don't want people to be scared of exercising. I think the key is exercise is good, uh, but you need to know your risk going into that. And, and not just the uh, the, the, the weekend warrior or the person who wants to just go out and exercise, you know, in the community, but also we're talking about, you know, uh, elite athletes, um, understanding the warning signs for sudden cardiac arrest is essential so that so they can seek advice or appropriate screening if they should have that. But I would recommend that every athlete, competitive athlete, has some form of screening, whether or not that's just a basic history uh, and physical uh, and or add the appropriate studies such as an electric cardiogram or an EKG and or ultrasound of the heart. So through such such uh, a risk stratification or such a risk assessment, we can then say, again, are you at risk or aren't you? And then really give you a piece of mind to go exercise, you know, with, with knowing, you know, what you, what you should and should not do. And, and the other thing we can also mention are monitors, right? So nowadays we have wearable technology that you can wear and we can help to guide what is the appropriate monitor or wearable technology may uh, want to be, you know, wearing, you know, while you're, you're in sport. Sure. And correlate symptoms with the, the rhythm. And it's also important to know that, you know, we talk about um, these young athletes in high school or college and they're all jazzed up and it's August and it's hot and you can push a little bit harder, just drink more water. So when they get a racing heart or something, maybe they're, they tell themselves, I don't need a coach or another player to say, just get back in there and do it. We could be missing, you know, every year in the news, we hear about a young athlete who, who has sudden death and that is it's a beautiful thing that you're trying to do and make people more aware 
and even the, the, the professional athletes who push themselves through pain and injury to get back out there and win the game. Um, when we come back, we're going to ask Dr. Chapon to tell us a little bit more about his very special community project for athletes and screening that he does with Dr. Ho. Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie is proudly provided by Independence Blue Cross. Dr. Marianne will return, but first, a medical message from one of our partners. Tune in Sunday morning at 10 for your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Your health determines your life, your longevity, and your happiness. Let your radio doctor lead the way. Sunday mornings at 10. And one more segment to go on your radio doctor here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Dr. Reggie Ho in studio with, with us, joining us for the full hour. Joining us by, by phone, Dr. Chapon. Doc, all yours. And thank you very much, Joe. I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie talking to Dr. David Chapon. Dave, please tell us a little bit more about the community work that you do with Dr. Ho. It's, it's a beautiful thing that you help screen young athletes who may be at risk. Yeah, so there, there are two programs that I uh, want to uh, focus on. One is called Simon's Heart. Uh, Simon's Heart's mission is, uh, you know, sudden cardiac arrest prevention in the youth uh, through awareness in the community, uh, through uh, helping pass valuable laws, and then also putting together standardized uh, screening programs free uh, for uh, the community. Uh, this was based on a tragedy uh, of a son uh, who died at six months of age named Simon. And so that, that's one organization which, uh, you know, we've really brought together doctors uh, in the community to uh, really, you know, reach youth uh, and hopefully stamp out uh, sudden cardiac arrest. And all of the doctors a part of those programs are aware of, you know, how uh, to appropriately screen uh, these children. Uh, the other organization that uh, we're a part of is called the Athlete Health Organization of Thomas Jefferson uh, University. And this is a little bit different approach. This is a free pre-participation physical that we offer uh, to uh, the city of Philadelphia. Uh, we do this usually at uh, uh, one major venue a year and then do pop-ups through the year. And it's a multidisciplinary pre-participation physical from uh, primary care to pulmonary to head trauma and then uh, to a you know heart station, which is actually led by Simon's Heart, the heart station. And we bring people together, physicians and nurses, the whole healthcare uh, team, uh, to really help to screen the community there uh, looking for really uh, um, chronic uh, issues in these children such as asthma, head trauma, and then also obviously, you know, trying to stamp out sudden cardiac arrest uh, in, in these youth athletes. That is fantastic because people are just not aware of the fragile nature of young people going out and really pushing themselves sometimes too hard. I'm going to ask Dr. Reggie Ho to share a story about one of his young patients. Sure. We had a, a young uh, girl who uh, was having passing out episodes and was a uh, diagnosed with epilepsy, uh, and uh, uh, as she uh, was uh, in a, a store about to get an MRI for further evaluation, she collapsed and had a cardiac arrest, and fortunately, there were uh, bystander uh, policemen who were, who were there getting coffee, uh, and they performed CPR and applied an AED uh, to her, and she had uh, what we call ventricular fibrillation, uh, and they were able to successfully uh, resuscitate her, and it turns out that she had a, uh, you know, heart condition uh, for which she uh, was successfully uh, revived and did well and, and got a defibrillator. And so uh, these uh, cardiac arrests can occur in young people 
uh, they can occur in professional athletes. As we know, Jay Baumeister just last week uh, is a professional hockey player who had a, a collapse and required CPR and is going to, undergoing testing right now. So these are things that uh, uh, you know we have to prevent uh, from happening. Doc, let me ask you about your reference to the event in the National Hockey League. How serious was it when he was on the bench, completely out on the bench? Oh, very serious. He, he was grave. Uh, he, he, he easily could have uh, died. And so fortunately there was uh, you know, CPR and uh, a quick AED application, and, uh, and he was able to be resuscitated uh, without any you know, long you know, problems. And, and now he's undergoing testing and will likely uh, you know, get a defibrillator. And so this is why it's so important we teach our medical students. I speak in the community. I'm sure you folks do. CPR, it's so important for as many people as possible to know CPR, aside from the obvious first responders like police and fire. I had one question for Dr. Chapon before he leaves the broadcast. Doc, I wanted to ask you about from the time an individual goes through the rehab, fast forward six months or eight months forward, are they still in the mindset of the rehab they learned, or do they find, do they struggle with that? Yeah, so it's uh, that that's part of uh, the key there. You know, there's always a struggle down down the line. Uh, you know, as people start to um, you know get back to their old lives. But the key is uh, that in this type of a program, it's a multidisciplinary approach. We encourage them not only to do the acute rehab, which is 18 to 36 sessions, but then stay involved in a maintenance program. And then now we're also offering uh, even uh, digital ways to connect to the patient. So it's really maintaining that connectivity and then also uh, really enhancing, you know, their understanding of what they had and what they need to do. That understanding is critical so that they will then maintain compliance with this down the line. But no, that is, that is an issue uh, in many programs, but that's, that's part of the beauty of multidisciplinary approach and, and the appropriate education for, these, uh, for, for everyone. It's a team, team approach. Dr. David Chapon, thank you so much for joining us. That is a beautiful concept. And we're going back to, thanks, Steve. We're going back to mentioning that CPR is so vitally important, and it's important for lay people to learn as well. Um, teachers in daycare centers and all kinds of situations where we don't necessarily think it's, it's going to happen. I'd like to thank our special guests, Dr. Reggie Ho and Dr. David Chapon, exceptional cardiologists at Jefferson. If you do want to take a CPR course, I know that Jefferson, called Jeff Stad. Uh, the um, EMT uh, teachers that offer CPR classes to medical care providers, and Jeff Nursing Education offers CPR classes for lay people. And I know that there are, there are um, centers near you if you look online to see where CPR is taught. Can I have one question for Dr. Sure. Reggie Ho? Doc, I want to take you back to the earlier segment when you had referenced Pacemaker. I was trying to understand a dear, close friend of mine, a media personality in town, uh, found himself leaving the golf course, uh, found himself going to the hospital, and then ultimately found himself getting a pacemaker. Um, And then I wasn't quite sure why that was the choice for him. I think I know now from listening to you, but I wanted to get you to elaborate on it. 
Yes, so uh, he probably had you know a very slow heart rhythm. So you know, uh, as we get older, the uh, electrical impulses kind of slow down, and the, the cables that uh, we were born with kind of rust out. So they, the heart rate slows down, and when it slows down so far, where so much where it causes symptoms, then that's where uh, we put in a pacemaker, which is kind of like an electrical bypass. So it, it over overtakes the uh, patient's slow heart rhythm, and it allows them to have a you know, a, a faster heart rate and, and let them function normally again. Beautiful. I think this has been a great discussion, and I always love when Joe brings his thinking to the table because he might think of questions that we wouldn't. Tune in next week when we shift gears. March is Colon Cancer Awareness Month. Learn about prevention, early detection, screening, even a vaccine. Our first guest is professor and gastroenterologist Dr. David Kastenberg, And part of his mission is to make the bowel prep much kinder. Join the Blue Lights campaign. Help us spread the message that colon cancer is very common, often deadly, but preventable. During March, turn your porch light blue. Put a strand of blue lights on the front of your home or business. Visit the website, bluelightscampaign.com. Send a photo of your home or business. Or take a picture of you and your family, friends, coworkers, dressed in blue, for our website page called You in Blue and send it to info at bluelightscampaign.com. We're ending American Heart Month with a message to my listeners. I heart you. And remember, your health is your wealth. And now sit back and enjoy the beautiful sounds of Frank Sinatra and the also calming voice of Sid Mark. And that's going to do it for this week's edition of Your Radio Doctor here on Talk Radio 1210. WPHT. Special thanks to Dr. David Chapon for joining us uh, by phone with some really good information. Don't forget you can go back and re-listen to the broadcast uh, on radio.com. And Dr. Reggie Ho, who um, opened up our broadcast with the fight song uh, from Notre Dame and uh, brought our listening audience into uh, some uh, detailed information. Uh, Well done, Uh, by you as well. That's going to do it. Don't forget doctor at yourradiodoctor.com if you'd like to send Dr. Marianne an email. Uh, She is open, willing, and able to receive uh, your information on all social media. See you next Sunday, everybody. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.